Welcome, Jays fans, to the fifth episode of the Blue Jays Bites podcast, whiteandbluereview.com's podcast that recaps everything you need to know in Creighton Blue Jays sports. I'm Bryant Ott. I write as Creighton Otter on the site. And tonight we've got a really special episode for you, special specifically because I'm not going to be talking all night like the last couple of uh, podcasts that we've recorded. Instead, what we've heard from our earliest listeners so far is that they've really appreciated the time that Matt DeMarinus is able to spend with Creighton coaches and Creighton athletes on campus, getting really solid, really exclusive interviews um, from some of those players, some of those coaches, asking the questions that diehard Blue Jays fans like you want to know the answers to. So this week, Matt spent some extra time down on the hilltop and he was able to touch base with Creighton basketball's Maurice Watson Jr., Creighton women's basketball's Jim Flannery, Creighton baseball's Ed Service, and Creighton volleyball's Kirsten Bernthal Booth. Spent some good time with all four of those Blue Jays and so tonight we just really want to dive right in and get you those interviews starting with uh, Mo Watson. So Marie says, many of you guys know, flirted with the NBA in the offseason. Um, some changed uh, rules and procedures for underclassmen in college basketball to declare for the NBA draft, not hire an agent, go through the full pre-draft um, analysis and workout routines, get some grades, get some feedback from those in the professional ranks that can uh, can break the good news, the bad news, and I guess the ugly news to some of these guys as they're considering their pro prospects. Watson put his name in the hat and uh, subsequently is coming back to Creighton. So Matt starts their conversation talking a little bit about what that process was like for uh, the senior standout for the Blue Jays. And then dives into some topics um, that I think will get Jays fans really excited. Having listened to the interview, he talks about how uh, how he's approaching his senior season. Talks about um, the Big East basketball schedule, which was actually released a couple hours on the day uh, before Matt's interview with with Mo on the day that that interview took place. So, just getting a good look inside uh, the mindset of one of the senior leaders for Greg McDermott's team. And so Matt and Mo were able to spend about 12 minutes together earlier this week. You'll hear that interview. Um, You'll also hear an 18-minute interview between uh, Dean Moranis and Jim Flannery. So Flann's got a really interesting roster coming back for the Creighton women's basketball team. Uh, Marissa Janning returns after uh, missing last year uh, or the you know majority of last season with uh with an injury she's rehabbed that and um, she joins a roster that returns almost every single player from last year's big east tournament runner-up squad so um, a lot of depth on that team for flan and he goes into that a little bit during um, his interview with with matt also talks about um, how that how his team is approaching their strength and conditioning program this offseason uh, what they're working on right now, and then really just dives into the expectations 
that he has and that he understands um, people outside the program have for this team in 2016-2017. Then uh, we get our first, you know, it's fall time, so baseball's coming to a close in the major leagues, but Ed Service has his players uh, in the in the practice mode, fall practice mode. So Matt was able to spend some time talking to Coach Service, skipper of the Creighton baseball team, about the interesting roster that's taken shape for him in terms of class breakdowns on the pitcher's side and in Ed's staff, and then uh, the the newcomers to replace a lot of the the longtime stalwarts on the uh, position player side for the Blue Jays. He talks a little bit about Big East as a baseball conference uh, and how the uh, current fall practice and workouts are going right now. Um, and then, and then as a nice treat for the Blue Jay baseball diehards, talks a little bit about what, this, what the non-conference schedule has in store for the Jays in 2017 and in 2018 too. Uh, letting people know that Wichita State's coming to town uh, in 2018 for a three-game weekend series. You know, stuff like that's been published before. But it's always interesting to get Coach Service's perspective on, you know, some of those old old rivalries, especially in the context as he, as he puts it um, in the greater scheme of non-conference scheduling among uh, the Blue Jays' brethren in Big East baseball. So, Matt spends a couple quality minutes uh, with with Coach Service and and gets his perspective on a few things and then you know wraps up the podcast this week will wrap up with Matt being part of the media day scrum uh, midweek media day scrum surrounding uh, Coach Kirsten B- uh, Brenthal Booth and the uh, head of Creighton volleyball's trip down to Lincoln this weekend for the Emeritus Players Challenge matches in Lincoln. Blue Jays start the weekend with matches against Gonzaga and Montana State. And then they play this up-and-coming program uh, called the University of Nebraska and Lincoln. So the defending national champions and in-state rivals of the Blue Jays uh, set to host Creighton Saturday night. And so the local media um, joined uh, Matt D for what's now become a, a pretty regular feature um, of Coach Booth on our podcast on a weekly basis. So Matt gets some questions in there during the during the media scrum and we'll we'll kind of cap off the the week this week, the podcast this week with those interviews. So first we'll just jump right in. Um, Obviously uh, everybody's interested, uh, at least the majority of our listeners are interested in the men's basketball program. Expectations high for the Blue Jays hopefully returning to the NCAA tournament. And for Maurice Watson Jr., he's looking for his first trip in his collegiate career, which ends this season, his first trip to the big dance. So he talks about that a little bit here too, and and you can very clearly get a sense of a motivated uh, returning senior. First of all, welcome back. Good to uh, see you back in a crazy uniform. Thank you. I guess, what was your, your offseason was a little bit different than a, you know, a normal offseason for a kid who was back on campus and kind of had some things to, you know, go over and evaluate. Uh, what did you get out of that process? Um, I got a lot out of that process. I was able to, um, you know, get feedback from, um, 
from some guys that I know, uh, you know, some some college coaches that give me some advice and some feedback for what they've been hearing. Um, uh, you know, I just know a couple people who, you know, were just around and uh, around some people who, you know, give me some feedback. I was also working out um, around Larry Brown a little bit also. So um, I was able to just go and um, kind of work out, you know, learn some NBA drills, um, kind of know what they um, – from me this season um, in order to be, uh, you know, to become a prospect and um, I just, you know, wanted to go back and uh, bring all that stuff back to Creighton so I could bring it back here and, and actually work on it on my own time. Did you come back to campus feeling better about, um, you know, your prospects or did you feel like um, there's still more work to be done? Um, there's always more work to be done, but I definitely feel like after the year I had last year and um, the strides I made this summer, uh, that I just don't put myself in a position where I can't be ignored. Um, and that's really all I, all I really wanted to bring back here was to just make yourself, you know, so good to be um, so they look dumb for ignoring you and not paying attention to you. Uh, and ultimately I do that by, you know, just leading my team to the tournament and doing whatever it takes to win. Yeah, you just mentioned that a little bit. I guess a lot of the, you know, I guess one way that college uh, athletes get the spotlight is through team success. So I guess, although individually you want to end up in the NBA, how tied is, you know, the team's success throughout the season and kind of get into that um, top 25 conversation? How important is that for, you know, your individual stature? Um, it's, it's actually uh, the main factor of, is of, of my individual success is how much we win. Um, this is my last year. I haven't been to a tournament yet. Um, I do believe this is the best chance I've had um, in my four years of playing. Um, but, you know, it all depends on, you know, how my, how far we go and how I lead my guys. And um, that's really what's going to really be the factor of how far we go is how much I can lead us. And um, really just be the point guard and uh, keep putting myself second. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the year, I can deal with, uh, you know, the NBA and all that other stuff. But, you know, as of now and uh, until, you know, we, we bring that championship, Cut the nuts down, and uh, you know the team is my main focus. How are you gonna try to, uh, you know, at the same time that the NBA is obviously on goal, are you gonna try to make sure you enjoy this last year of college a little more? You know, being that, you know, after this, it's kind of becoming about a business after that. Um, in terms of in terms of being on the court, yes, uh, I've realized that you know every game matters, and I can't take plays off, uh, can't take nights off. You know, I only have. You know, 30 more games left. I only have 18 more conference games left um, in my career, and you know that's something that people haven't been able to say they've done. And you know, some people wish that they can go back and do it again. And I'm sure I'll be one of those. Uh, uh, but you know, I just really want to enjoy it. You know, off the court, I've realized that I just want to focus and you know do everything right. Yeah, my true height's five seven, five seven and a half, uh, five nine and three quarters. Like just like the five eight. <laughs> when you put it like that, it doesn't, there isn't really much time left. Yeah, yeah. You know, and try to like break it down into you know here's how many conference games we have left, here's how many home games we yeah. have left. That's gonna come on you quick. Yeah, and I'm just starting to realize that you know. I need to be able to, you know, one of the main things of our team, one of our main uh, our main goals this year is to cut out all distractions. And, and that's really all I want to do, and that's why I'm getting up as much shots as I can whenever I, you know, whenever my teammates come in here, I want them to see me in the gym, you know, not in the bar, not turning up, not doing anything crazy, you know what I'm saying? I want to lead like that. And, you know, just keep letting know that hard work is going to push us through no matter how much individual talent we have. You know, and it goes for me, Marcus, Justin, you know, TC, uh, Slim. It's, it's, it's all of us going to 
fighting together to the managers and to the coaches. You know, we don't do it without one another. What's the most valuable piece of advice that you got during that process over the offseason that you, you know, that was kind of a light bulb moment for you? Like, okay, here's what I really need to, you know, hone in on. Uh, just really, you know, hearing that the main things I needed to really work, to just focus on was, you know, was my was my shot and you know, my turnovers and, and just my age. And, you know, you know, I've already proven, you know, that my height, I won't let that stop me. Um, there's always going to be skeptics with that. Um, but just those, but just improving those things, improving the things I can control. Um, and then knowing that, you know, there were some people who, you know, said I had some interest, that I was just being, you know, I, I could... I had a chance, and just to hear that I had a chance is something that I wanted to hear, um, which is why I didn't keep my name in for the entire time. Sure. Uh, just to be able to hear that, you know, somebody has interest, somebody thinks that I can do it, and then to have one more year left, um, I don't think I would have done myself justice or the team justice if I wouldn't have came back this last year. Another big thing this offseason I know with you is obviously seeing uh, Allen Iverson get inducted into the Hall of Fame. I'm sure you knew, you know, you had no doubt that he, that he belonged in there and that that was his rightful spot. Eventually, but did that did that add anything for you? Did that you know I don't know make the chip a little bigger? Seeing that you know his career yeah. had come to a close, you know, and him I mean, the respect he deserved. I mean, yeah, and I think it just kind of uh, you know great timing. You know, I kind of been telling the team that this is our year, and that this is the year, this is the year of great things. Um, and you know, to see Iverson going to the Hall of Fame, you know, doing something that they said he couldn't. Um, you know, to start off this year is just, you know, a sign from God, you know, to me. You know, to see my guy around as one of the best and, and they can't say nothing about his career anymore. Um, you know, I think that just that one of this great year, um, just tying it back to the team. You know, we're getting everybody back, everybody's healthy, we're working hard, you know, practice about to start. So, you know, that right there was a nice key to start my year off. Uh, now we can have a little bit of fun. Obviously, the schedule's out. You get to kind of circle some matchups, look forward to some things, some trips, some big marquee games. First off, when you uh, saw the non-conference slate, what were your impressions of it? You know, what were some games that you were kind of looking forward to? And, uh, you know, just looking at the first two games, those first two games seem to be revenge games. Um, you know, last time we played Cedar Hall was in the tournament, and it was a tough game, and we were all worn down and beat down, bodies hurting, so to be able to play them, you know, again, first to it off, you know, something that's major, them knock us out of the tournament. And then last time we saw Villanova, we lost to them by 30 um, on their place. Um, and we're a much better team than that. We just didn't compete. And um, to be able to get some, you know, those two just revenge games back um, are just important to me. And, you know, we still treat every game as if, you know, it's, you know, UNKC or, you know, Wayne State or Arizona State. You know what I'm saying? Like you step on our court or if, if we come to your court, we're going to leave it a W. And um, every team, you know, we have bullseyes on our backs and in our eyes. Every team has a bullseye on their back. Um, and that's how we're going to attack it. What do you, I guess, you know, obviously it's an afternoon game, but, you know, you see New Year's Eve and you see the defending reigning champs coming into your building. Obviously that probably had the team pretty hyped up. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I don't care if it's a five and a one in a game. I feel like my team will be ready. Uh, you know, you want to play against the best, and, you know, they were the best from last year. And I think this is a way to send an early message that the Blue Jays are for real and that we're serious and that all the work we put in is going to really start paying off and, you know, to be able to beat the, the team that beat Villanova and then to be able to beat Villanova, um, 
there's going to be you know something major, and I'm sure we'll be one of few teams you know that that say that they beat those teams who are top five and top ten. But you know we're going to be that team that you know really competes against those teams and really gets some wins. The uh, you know obviously starting off with Villanova is one thing, but the way the schedule works out, you're actually going to bookend your conference slate with the reigning champs. You know. I guess is that kind of when you look at that, do you go okay, we have a chance to early on prove that we belong in the competition, and then at the end kind of prove that you belong in the postseason as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be good momentum going into the Big East tournament. Um, I also think that's great, you know, for you know, for me to get home and be able to finish out my career, you know, sort of on the East Coast. Um, and it'll be big for my family to get to see. Um, you know, hopefully make this NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, which is the plan. Um, so, you know, I'll finish my career somewhere else, but um, to be able to finish out, you know, on the East Coast, so my family can see it's be big. Um, they're also using those games as all just confidence builders and um, build momentum going into the postseason. You know, that's all we're going to be worried about. Are you going to be able to, is it going to be tough to prepare emotionally for, you know, as you get winding down? Obviously, Villanova is probably going to be a big game. If you guys have the type of season that you expect to have, it'll be a big game in the standings, closer to play, but then also, like you mentioned, wrapping up your career in your hometown. Uh, I think it'll be a lot of emotion with the team just because we want to win every game so bad. But I don't think it'll be any personal emotion going on. Um, I'm just fully invested in the team, and, and and the minute I have to let my personal emotions, you know, really show and come to surface, is when I'm not at, you know, the A-plus player that my team needs me to be. And, you know, getting them involved and, um, you know, leading them, you know, scoring when I need to, making sure that we win, that is what is my emotions going to ride high on it. You know, I plan on playing after this, and, you know, hopefully my family will be able to come see me in the NBA soon. And, um, you know, so they'll get to see me play, you know, more and more and more. But, um, you know, I won't have a chance to play with these group of guys again, and I want to really cherish that. I know you're a guy who, you know, although you work on your game a lot, you like to study other people's games. In your chances that you've had to look around the conference to see what other teams are bringing back and, you know, what they're trying to build, what are your impressions of the Big East Conference this year and the strength that they might produce with? You know, you're hearing a lot of teams, a lot of people say, you know, it was really good last year. We had this, you know, national champion, but it might even be better this year. Uh, I really think that I, I really think the Big East is going to be, you know, top three conference this year. Um, you know, everyone just counted the Big East out when everybody left, like Notre Dame and Syracuse. But you know, the Big East has always been one of the top conferences. Uh, you know, last year they had two teams in the top five, um, four teams ranked at a point, uh, maybe even five. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but but each year. We, you know, we compete um, as a conference, and you know, the Big East has been my dream conference since, since forever. So I kind of know the history of it, and you know, for us to be in this conference and um, to be competing every night and not getting blown out, and that's really you know, knocking off some teams, upsetting some teams. You know, it really shows you know the type of schedule we're going to be on and the type of the type of state that we're ready for, um, and just know that each win is going to mean something to you know to our RPI down the road. Um, and, you know, it's going to make every night from one, you know, game one to game 18 a tough game. And that's how you want to play. You know, you don't want to blow out games. You want every game to be intense. You got to show what you've been working on. And you got to be able to prove that you can hang with the best. And we want to prove that we are one of the best. And we want people to hang with us. Oh, well, I know your time is precious. So I appreciate you sitting down. All right, man, no problem, chat. homie. Enjoy the workouts. And we'll, we'll talk to you more throughout the season. All right, man, appreciate it. Just an outstanding interview there from... Mad D. Marinus with Maurice Watson Jr. I know it gets a little difficult to hear with all the basketballs uh, thumping across the championship center floor in some of those interviews, but um, 
great news there is that there's activity that that practice and workouts and time in the gym is being spent because the season can't come soon enough for Blue Jays fans and guys like Watson Jr. there uh, who certainly are itching to get back in front of the diehards and the 17,000 fans at CenturyLink Center Omaha. We're going to segue now into the other basketball program on campus, and that's Coach Jim Flannery's Blue Jays. And uh, Matt DeMarinas was able to spend some time talking with Coach Flann this week as well. So we're going to jump right into that interview with uh, women's basketball coach Jim Flannery on the Blue Jays Bites podcast. I guess, you know, you got some individual workouts going on. You know, they talk about the downtime or everybody makes a big deal about the start of practice, but really you guys are, you know, constantly preparing leading up to that. How are those how are those workouts going and what are you seeing out of this group returning? Well, I like what we've seen in the weight room and in terms of just how hard I think our kids have worked through the summer and early fall. I think Brad Schmidt does a, a really good job with our kids. They work hard. He pushes them, but he, you know, he also lets them know he believes in them. And, and so I think that's a big part of our off season. And we only get two hours a week with them with a basketball, which is just enough to kind of <laughs> get a little bit excited, but it's not, it doesn't really give us the kind of glimpse that as coaches we like, because we, of course, would like to just be around them a little bit more in a basketball setting. But, uh, uh, you know, I, li- I like what I've seen. I think uh, with, with such an older group, there's there's a, a little less uh, stop and go. It's, it's a little bit more let them, let them go a little bit and make a few mistakes and then, you know, and then kind of step in and correct. But you're not doing it as maybe quite to – with the with quite the frequency that you would do if you had a younger team, and uh, you know we've chosen to do smaller group workouts. We're, we've been able to do a full team workout. Uh, you know they changed the rule this year, so we could actually have our entire team there for two hours a week, but we haven't done that yet. Now we may may do that from uh, here over the last couple weeks. We may bring bigger groups together, but we've been going you know three to five at a time. Um, which is a little bit, again, it allows for a little bit more teaching, but then at some point you kind of run out of things to do besides shooting and um, some simple screen actions. I want to revisit that in a second, but going back to the off-season strength and conditioning, um, just from talking to Brad, you know, just chatting, he's really impressed with one player in particular that, um, you know, has transformed herself in the off-season. Do you... Know who I'm talking about? <laughs> no. Uh, he's he's impressed with Bree. Okay. And, you know, kind of how she's gotten herself in uh-huh. a, a lot better shape. Yeah. I guess what have you seen out of her and yeah. how that's well, uh, I think made she her has, better? Yeah, I think she has had her best summer. Now, the, the thing with Bree is she didn't set the bar quite as high. <laughs> but I do think she's, I, I do think she's a little extra motivated. It's her it's her last year, and and uh, to her credit, I think she's been more serious about. You know the day to day. Bree would Bree has in the past had good, good weeks and good months, but she just can't, you know, put a, mo- a good month on top of a good month, and that's mm-hmm. kind of been her issue. And I think she's she's certainly been more consistent, uh, and hasn't had the the backward steps that she's had in the past. She's kind of moving forward, um, and that's great. You know, she's talked about trying to play overseas, which I think is, 
you know, I, I, you know, I think that has to be a motivator for her. You know, I feel like if that's if that's what she wants to do, which I think is great. Uh, you know, she can't have a, a a mediocre to poor senior season. She needs, you know, and so it's obviously we, you know, we want her to want to do well for her for herself and the team. But if she's got that carrot of a of potentially playing, you know, overseas the following year, I don't think that hurts her from a motivational standpoint. We all know, and we all know that Bree can score the ball and 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 has some tools to be. A, you know, more of a low post score than anybody we have. So we we welcome the fact that she's had a better summer than in the past. We've obviously talked about this a lot in the past, you know, whenever she has kind of a breakout game or two. But if this is, if this is the best version of her, if she's serious about, you know, all the things you say, how does she, how does she change your team? How does it change the outlook for the season you might have coming up? Well, it, it makes us less dependent on the three-point shot, which I think is, you know, one of the issues that that we probably have had over the last several years. Is just, you know, when we when we, it's nice to be able to throw the ball inside once in a while and get free throws or or get an easy basket, and uh, you know, so I think I think that's a that's a big key for us, and and you know, truthfully, in the past, it's not. It's not just about what she's been able to do offensively. It's about her failure to do some things defensively. It's like we know she can score better than any of our other posts, but if she's given up as many as she's scoring, <laughs> it doesn't help us. So I think, the, you know, obviously the better the shape that she gets in and the more willing she is to communicate and, and be good defensively, um, then, then we can have her out there because we know we can get a little bit more offense out of her than than, than most anybody else that we can put out there. Uh, I know um, you don't have any new new recruits right. that are going to be eligible this year, but you did have one stashed away in Jalen Agnew from last season. What did uh, what did she make out of the redshirt year and then this off season and? How ready does she look to kind of step in and play a significant role for you this season? Yeah, well, I think I think Jalen, you know, did a really good job in the weight room. She was a, you know, she needed to gain some strength, and, and she did. And as a redshirt, you know, she was able to be in the weight room three times a week through the season because she wasn't playing. You know, she didn't need to be rested on game day the way other kids needed to be. So I think she did a really good job there. Um, and just slowing down and and playing at the right pace on offense. She has a tendency to get sped up, and and uh, you know, um, so that's been good for her perimeter skill development. I mean, she shoots it well enough. She just needs to continue to work on 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 her handle and and passing the ball. And you know, the more you know, the the earlier that she gets confident, I think that's gonna that's gonna be a big key with her. And, and truthfully, like in the two-on-two, three-on-three stuff we've done, yeah. it's a little bit hard to tell where where her feel for the game is. Uh, so I think that's something that that will play out as we as we do more five-on-five stuff. But I, I, she's got a high ceiling. She's going to be a good player. The the fact is, we have a lot back this year, so it is it's still going to be tough to crack mm -hmm. a rotation. But I think if you if you look even beyond this year, she's she's definitely going to be a a player that we can that we're going to be able to count on, I think, over the course of her career. With how many players you have returning, 
obviously, the, you know, a lot's going to be expected out of this group from, you know, outsider's perspective as far as, you know, what the rest of the conference thinks about your potential. You know, you made it all the way, you know, the Big East tournament title game last year with, you know, a hampered group, and now everybody's returning. I guess, is there a lot of pressure on them? Are they ready, you know, do you think ready to handle it to, you know, block out the bad and, you know, only focus on, you know, what they have to do day in, day out to reach their potential? Yeah, I think that's going to be a challenge. I think, you know, and I've, we've talked about that. That was one of the one of the things I addressed in our first postseason meeting is like, look, we, you know, we're going to have to be a really, really unselfish team this year and we're going to have to live with a little bit higher expectations because that's that's going to be that's going to be the case and uh, you know and, and and be willing to play a little bit different from a style standpoint I think we can we we need to use our depth so we need to run a little bit more we need to be a little bit more of a pressure defensive team we need to you know and, and I think it's easy if you're if you think well that doesn't really fit my game and you don't buy in then that then that will be an issue, and so I think I think that's a key is everybody buying into maybe playing up and down a little bit more, being trying to be a little more disruptive defensively. Um, and, and like you said, the, the good news about you know about high expectations is we still have a lot of players. So and yeah, there are going to be times where kids are a little tight, but we're we're going to have options in those in those games. I mean. They're still 20 to 21, 22 year old, you know, young women. So if they if 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 they are tight, it's going to be easy for us to maybe plug somebody in. But I do I do worry a little bit about expectations, and but I but I also think we have enough good leadership that they know what the, that the work has to be put in, and if the work is put in and we stay together, we're we're bound to be successful because we do have the experience and we do have the talent. Uh, to be a good team. Have you selected captains yet for this group? Have not. Um, we have not. And but again, I told them. I told them in our first meeting this year that 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 followership is is in my opinion going to be almost as important as leadership because mm -hmm. we're, we have a lot of we have a lot of semi strong voices. I don't know whether we've got that one or two. I mean, MC's pretty, but but I think it's important that they listen because some some days it may be. You know, we maybe need to listen to MC a little bit more some days. We maybe need to listen to Marissa some days. It might be Lauren or, you know, we need to push Audrey into a little bit of a leadership role and so that she's a little more ready next year. So I, I think it's – I told him, you know, sometimes I'm not as worried about leadership as I am about maybe making sure that everybody once in a while just is quiet and listens to somebody else who has a, who has a voice. Uh, it doesn't take – um, very long covering your team to figure out what your most important, you know, factor as far as getting on the court is in, in communication. Last year, this is that's something yeah. that this team struggled with to find the consistency, to find, you know, the voice to listen to. Are you worried about that this year? Do you think that group has a good understanding of what you expect out of them now, having played together for so long and, you know, having gone through the ups and downs that they experienced last season? That you don't expect that to be, you don't expect to have, you know, to emphasize that as much day in day out in practice that they need to talk more. Yeah. Well, we'll still emphasize it, and the best thing is is that we have a we have a hammer in terms of if you don't want to do that, we'll have we have we have a uh, 
a number of other options, and maybe we didn't have that number of options last year. So I think it's, I think it's pretty easy when kids, when kids understand that playing time is is directly correlated with whether they're going to do that or not. And uh, you know, we, for us, it's a matter of. I think we're going to be we're going to have moderate physical talent this year, but we don't have enough that we can just think that, that being pretty good in the area of communication is good enough. We need to be really good, and that's that's you know when 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 it comes to it, that's that is my frustration. It's not that we're not decent, but I think that's an area where we need to be really really good. I think it it should be the case this year. I think you look at just the comfort level that our upperclassmen will have. Lauren's, Lauren's maybe the most vocal player we have. Mm -hmm. And then you throw in Marissa and MC, who doesn't talk off the court, but has become a really good on-the-court talker. So um, I, I think it'll be I, I think it'll be less of a, an issue on a number of counts. One, we're older, and two, we have, if you don't want to talk, we have, we'll, have, we'll put somebody else in. Some of this can be, you know, kind of correlated to having your back against the wall and playing for your postseason lives and you know all those kind of narratives but if if you're able to put your finger on a few factors what do you think led to this team hitting their stride you know those final two games of the regular season last year into Chicago you know to get yourselves to be postseason eligible and keep that streak going was was there more to it than just you know we have to keep the postseason streak alive did this team mature in that in that time frame yeah, I think they just, uh, you know, I, the credit I give them is that they didn't give up even when we lost, you know, we lost a heartbreaker to Xavier and then a really obviously disappointing game to Providence. And so at that point we could have kind of cashed it in because we were, you look at you look at our finish and we had DePaul and Seton Hall and St. John's and Marquette, and Marquette in those last four games and we, we got, you know, we got blasted by DePaul but we played well the other three games and won two of them and I think that was... I think we had some momentum going in. You know, I felt like we played well at Seton Hall, didn't win, but played well, and then to win at St. John's. So I think it, I, I think it's easy to think that it was just at the end of the year, but I think we um, we kept fighting. I mean, we, we weren't consistent, and um, you know, and, and truthfully, we got a good draw. We got yeah. We we had the motivation to be Providence because we had just lost to them, and the, and they had our attention because we just lost to them. And then we got to play a team that we'd beaten twice, who was shorthanded. They, you know, their best player wasn't out, right. or was was out. Right. And then by the time you win two games, your you know your belief's a little different. I think, you know, and for us it was two games plus we'd won at St. John, so that's a big thing. With and I and I commented on that like during the one of the one of the tough things about Marissa and Bree's injury is when it occurred and how little time we had to kind of react to it. And, you know, when we lost Marissa, it was like at Kansas, at Nebraska, at Utah, South Dakota State. Like four games in, you know, 11 or 12 days. Right. Three of them on the road against power conference teams. And, and I think that took a toll on us. And, and we, even though we played well in stretches, you know, throughout the conference season, we, we didn't quite, you know, it, it took us... If you look at the end of the year and, and how we played well, I think some of that was circumstantial, and, and part of the reason that we didn't have the kind of kind of year overall that we wanted was when Marissa and Bree got hurt. If they'd have gotten hurt and we'd had time to react, I think we I think we'd have been a better you know I don't know that we'd have been a 
24-win team, but I think we would have been a better team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's, you know, when a player of the style of Marissa Janning suffers an injury that she did on, you know, a non-contact play, there's always two sides to the recovery, the physical and the mental. Yeah. Obviously, the physical was quicker for her. Right. How is she... How does she? How did? From what you've seen out of her in the limited time you've had, how is she handling the mental side? Does she look like, um, you know, is she playing like the old Marissa, or do you still see some some hesitation or some worry? Well, I think, yeah. I mean, I'm interested to see how how she looks. You know, once we get into practice in October, I, I didn't think in June she looked um, the same from a confidence and a decision making standpoint. I mean, she looked wasn't like her quickness or her, or she had a hitch in her run or anything like that. It was just, so it wasn't a physical thing. It was just, I felt like she wasn't making great decisions and she wasn't as confident as I wanted her to be. But I think looking at just through two weeks of workouts, I feel like she's already better mm. in that in that area than she was in June. And so that's to me, like I thought, I thought last week we had a workout where I thought she really really was, I said it was probably as good a workout as I've seen from her in 10 months. So I think that's encouraging. I think her, her conf, you know, it's going to be her confidence in her decision making and just finding out what I, what it is that this year I'm going to do versus what I've done in the past. Because we have kind of yo-yoed back and forth between point guard and mm-hmm. wing and, you know, and, and in fairness to her, I think sometimes she wonders, okay, am I, what, do you want me to, do you want me to be somebody who dribbles a decent amount or do you want me to just be more of a catch and shoot quick decision making wing player you know somebody who either catches and attacks or catches and shoots and so I think which is kind of where we're leaning is to is to play her more off the ball but we're still going to play her some on the ball and I think that'll just be a matter of you know another several weeks of, of five on five four and four type stuff great stuff there as always from Flan love hearing from him and uh, he and Matt have a really good working relationship, so I would assume we'd be hearing a lot more from Coach Flannery as uh, Janning and the rest of the Blue Jays get closer to the start of their season and then throughout the year as well. All right, we're months away from any signs of baseball down at TD Ameritrade Park, but that didn't stop Matt DeMarinas from catching up with baseball skipper Ed Service during his team's fall practice slate. So Coach Service took uh, about 10 minutes of his time this week to to talk DeMarinas through everything from how his freshmen and, and newcomers are looking to, um, to what the Big East uh, can expect to become or hopes to become as a baseball conference and how that starts with scheduling in the non-conference slate. So... We'll go ahead and jump into that interview. Matt DeMarinas talking with Creighton baseball skipper Ed Service here on the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Some balls flying around? Yeah, it is. It is, yeah. Yeah, I wish the weather would cooperate a little bit better. We've had to fight through some highs and lows here, you know, 85, 90 one day, back into the low 60s, mid-60s the next day. So, but, yeah, it's it's good. Today will be our ninth practice so far, so we're off and going, and we've got our weight program going that's taking place in the morning as well so um, 
this is about our second week of a kind of a normal routine week for the players. So, uh, so far, so good. Do you know all the faces yet? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. And it's been uh, it's been uh, uh, fun getting to know them a little bit better. You know, not only as people, but now as players. So it's been, um, you know, I think it's it's been enjoyable the first couple of weeks here with them. Have you ever had a team like this at, you know, any level of coaching where you kind of all have one group of people, mm -hmm. and I'm referring to your pitching staff, back, and then a whole, you know, new group that you could have to replace as far Not as Not anything quite to this extreme. Back in 06, you know, our 05 team was dominated with seniors. And then when we came back in 06, we basically had three returners. Um... And then we had to fill in around them. And, but that team got off to a fast start, too. They won 15 straight games. We were 15-3 and three at one time, ranked as high as 15th in the country. So, um, you know, every team takes on its own personality and so on. But this, we've probably had, a, you know, a little bit more turnover in the positional player mm -hmm. standpoint. We, I like our pitching staff. We return a lot of guys there. But the uh, position players, there's, you know, there's some work to be done there. I guess starting with the pitching staff, since you have those guys back and you kind of know what they what they bring to the table, what is what objectives objectives do you lay out for them in fall ball that you want to see them, you know, while you're trying to develop these new kids, but you want to see your veterans progress as well? Well, what I need to see out of those uh, returning players, Raleigh and Keith and Jeff, who were in the rotation the second half of the year last year, they needed to develop a better uh, consistency with their secondary stuff. So that would mean change-ups for Keith, and, and uh, all three of them actually need to develop a change-up where they can throw a little bit more often in a game. And then also their ability to field their position, you know, whether it be comebackers, bunts, you know, covering first base, those kinds of things. That's where I want to see them improve. Um, you know, their fastballs, obviously, they'd like to probably see another tick or two on their fastball, but that's the least of my concerns. It's more about their secondary stuff and then fielding their positions, and that's what you want to see in a mature player is he looks at those finer parts of the game and tries to improve on those. Um, and so far, you know, we've spent a lot of time. We don't throw a ton in the fall with our pitchers, but we do spend a lot of time on them getting comfortable within the system of the defense. Mm -hmm. And those three guys, you know, I think they would all agree that they want to improve in that area. Uh, on to the new kids now, I guess. What have you seen out of that group um, that you like? What have you seen that you think needs a little tweaking as they head into the D1 level? Well, there's some potential there. You know, we got two, six, five left-handed pitchers we like a lot. One, it was a 40th round draft choice. You know, coming out of high school, we got a right-hander out of Florida that we think is going to be okay. Uh, we got another right-hander out of uh, St. Paul that we think is going to be okay. What I like about that group of young arms is there's a lot of potential there. We, what we can't teach is size. They come in with good size. They come in with some velocity with their fastball, what they need to develop now is secondary stuff. And then they, what they found out come a couple of the early scrimmages is you can't elevate your fastball, mm -hmm. that they have to learn to pitch with better height. But those are things that we can help them with. We just can't teach the size, the velocity, and some of the things that they come with. And so I think we're going to see a lot out of that freshman group on the mound. This potentially has the chance to be the best freshman group we probably have had. Of pitchers? And and position players across the board. Now, that being said, they haven't played an inning yet at the Division One level, so time will tell. But I like what I see so far. They have good work ethic. They're teachable. Um, they have size. There's, so there's this physicality about them that we as coaches can't deal with. Now it's a matter of 
developing them into becoming, in this case, pitchers and not just throwers? Obviously, replacing a lot of experience all over the field, and I know, um, you know, learning your defense isn't something that's easy for young players. Who, I guess, are some of the, I guess, how are some of the younger players, you know, taking to, um, you know, some of those drills that, you know, because obviously there's a lot of work that goes into it. I think if they were to uh, be interviewed by you, they would say it's been hard so far. Sure. You know, it's been hard. The footwork is something that's different for them. Um, a lot of emphasis. They would not say that. <laughs> a lot but. of emphasis on the footwork. Um, a lot of throwing. So we have a lot of tired arms right now. A lot of sore arms. So they have to get in better shape for what we like to do in practice. But you can see uh, flashes of excellence from time to time. Now, consistency hasn't been there yet. Um, they're showing a lot of fatigue when we practice, you know, straight three, four days in a row. And that all comes when they get their legs underneath them a little bit. So I, I look at the second half of fall as really an indicator of what we're going to see. Right now, they're just trying to hang on a little bit. They're trying to get their legs underneath them. Um, we've had some warm days on the turf. So it hasn't been easy, but I think we're you know, going to see a little bit of a cool down here. I think it's going to be a little bit more comfortable, a little bit easier for them to get through a workout. And when that happens, you start to see their skill level take off. I guess, um, you know, three years in a row, making it all the way to that championship game, coming up short. How long, I guess... How long was this offseason for you? How much time did you spend thinking about, man, a player here, there, where we, you know, maybe could have affected a different outcome? Well, certainly it's not easy. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I can't just shake off some of that stuff. I wish I could, you know, a day later or two days later, but it stays with you a little bit as you try to examine. Um, was there anything else we could have done in preparation for that moment, in preparation for that game? Um, why did we come up a little short? Do we have to tweak what we're doing from a practice situation? Do we have to tweak a little bit what we're looking for in recruits? Mm -hmm. um, so you spend a better part of your summer trying to figure some of those things out. We're not interested in just getting to the championship game. I think everybody would agree to that, that that's not what our goal is. And um, But I, I think it still comes down to we need to get a little bit more athletic even though I think we've taken some nice strides in that area. We need to continue to get more athletic. We need to continue to build up our pitching depth for situations that occur, injuries, get into a tournament situation where you're playing a lot of games in a short period of time. And then we got to find a way to get more consistent offense. And um, I think we've recruited to that. I think these younger players, and we're not, again, we're not sure when it's all going to show because mm -hmm. they're young players. But I think they are athletic. I think they are going to be able to provide some more offense for us. And I think we've definitely got ourselves in a position where we've got some pitching depth. So those are the three areas I thought that we needed to continue to work on in order to get over the hump a little bit. Are you glad to have it back at TD this year? Or does that, you know, add a little pressure to a young group, you know, having the tournament, yeah. you know, on their home field? Can it work yeah. against them? Nah, you know, I would, I would hope not. I would hope that they would be excited every time they get an opportunity to play at TD. You know, now again, it's not a given that we're going to be in it. Right. We got to earn it. Um, and we haven't got any. You know, I guess I would probably be 
able to answer that question a little bit better second semester. Right now, yeah. they're just trying to hang in there. They're trying to figure each other out. They're trying to figure out what we like and what we don't like in a practice situation. So, But anytime you get a chance to play over at TD Ameritrade, it's great for the conference. It's great for us. We've played well over there. Mm -hmm. I think our system is built for that stadium over there. So, um, uh, But... You know, when it comes second semester and everything starts to count and everything starts to, you know, get to the point where, you know, every every game's a big deal, you know, I might be better equipped to answer that question. But right now, uh, they don't even, I don't even think they, probably many of them don't even realize that the tournament's over there. I guess I know you, you're, you know, you like road trips from a bonding perspective. Do you like, you know, the conference's plan to kind of bounce the tournament around a little bit or would you prefer that... I mean, obviously you'd prefer to play at TD, but would you think that TD is enough of an asset being the home of the College World Series that you'd like to see the Big East tournament hosted there more often? Well, we need to play it at a good venue, and we need to play it at a venue that's going to draw some people. Mm -hmm. And so, so far we're three years into it, and no one's come close to what we've been able to do over here. We drew about 11,000 people, I believe it was, a couple of years ago. So unless somebody comes up with a better solution to this, unless somebody comes up with, you're not going to find a better field. Right. Even though there was nothing wrong with the field we played on last year, it was fine. We have to be really open-minded to which venue allows us the best opportunity to attract people if we're interested in moving the program, I mean moving the conference forward. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in that. I can't speak for the other coaches, but I think TD gives us the best opportunity to do that. Now, we're going to have it there this year, and then we're going to have to sit idly by for a few years and wait for the next opportunity, but... I would think if the conference is truly interested in moving baseball forward, this gives us the best opportunity to do that. From just your interactions with uh, you know coaches in your few years in the league, what do you like about what this conference does as far as you know the style certain teams bring to the field, the way they play the game, and I guess what would you like to see on the flip side of that, you know, improve going forward? Well, I think it's an underrated conference because really I think uh, Xavier showed its medal last year in the regionals by doing what they did against Vanderbilt, get to the championship game. We all know what St. John's is capable of. We all know that Seton Hall's got a good situation going. We like what we're doing. We need to continue to move in the right direction. But I think we sometimes, the conference gets overlooked and, and they don't really appreciate. There's some really good players in this league this year. There's going to be some good draft choices in this league. There's some really good Friday night matchups that are going to take place in this league. So it's going to be a lot of fun. What I'd like to see change is I think we got to look at schedule. And I know up and down the East Coast, you know, uh, it's easy for them to say, well, this school is close by us, so we have to play them. And it may not be best for the RPI of the league. We sit here in Big Ten, Big 12 countries, so it's a little easier for us to play a Big Ten school or a Big 12 school for a non-conference situation. But mm -hmm. I think... I think we're, we're inching in the right direction. I thought Xavier did a heck of a job last year with scheduling non-conference. I think it paid off for them as a, as a year went on. I think St. John's has done a pretty good job, you know, having played like Oregon and Florida State, teams like that. We just need everybody to kind of buy into this. If indeed we're interested in moving this league forward, and I can't speak for the other guys, right. then we have to look at scheduling. And we can't do what's always easiest and least expensive if that school that's in our neighborhood or in our town is not committed to baseball and we're just playing them to play another game. Uh, we've had, It'll be interesting because we meet in November as coaches. Okay. And it's supposed to be in New York, and we're supposed to be, you know, face-to-face. -face. It's not a, a, not a conference call. Conference calls 
I don't think anybody likes a conference call, right? Because you got to see the, you got to get in a room with some guys and look each other in the face and say, "Hey, do we want to actually do this or not? Are we just, you know, lip servicing this deal, or do we want this thing to really move in the right direction?" Mm -hmm. So I think the first time we met two years ago, everybody was just trying to feel each other out, and we didn't know each other, and we really didn't say much. There was very little conversation. I would imagine this time it'll be a little bit more spirited. And I hope that we can get some things accomplished, and I hope that we can convince our administrators that, you know, we need to do a couple of these things to make it to make it happen. How close are you, I guess, how deep are you into um, crafting your... Uh, the non-conference portion of your twenty will be twenty seventeen schedule. Yeah, we're we're well, we're pretty much done. I mean, we may add a game at the most, uh, but we're done. You know, we open up at UAB because we owe UAB a uh, a return trip based off of last year. We go to Santa Clara for a three-game uh, tournament, and we'll play Michigan in that tournament. Uh, we'll also play Santa Clara and St. Louis. So St. Louis is a good A ten team. Michigan mm -hmm. obviously is a good Big Ten team. Um, and then we got, you know, we got Bakersfield coming back because they owed us a trip when we went out there a couple years ago. Obviously, we got Kansas and Kansas State's and the Nebraska's. Wichita State comes to town this year, which mm -hmm. would be awesome. We've also got Wichita State coming next year in 18 in a three-game set on a weekend. So nice. we're starting to develop that relationship with Wichita State again. I know our fans will be interested in that. So um, we're in, we're in um, contact with a lot of uh, Pac-12 schools to try to get them in here for a non-conference thing for 18. But right now our 17 is with the exception of maybe one day. It's pretty solidified. Cool. Uh, I appreciate the time. You bet. I know you're busy right now you getting bet. these guys in gear, but yeah, thanks for sitting down. Okay. As a guy myself who has two different Major League Baseball games going on right now on the Apple TV while I record this podcast, it's always great to talk baseball no matter the time of year. And I know that the way things ended for the Blue Jays last season left a, a bitter taste in the mouths of all Blue Jays baseball fans. So never too soon to start talking to Coach Service and, and get um, get, a, get a level set on expectations and start to learn a little bit more about next season's team, which is taking shape right now in the fall during practice. Okay, one last segment here tonight in the Blue Jays Bites podcast, episode five. We're going to end it on... Uh, what hopes to be a positive note for the Blue Jays as um, the women's volleyball program and Coach Kirsten Bernthal Booth are a couple nights removed from a tough uh, loss down in uh, a tough four set loss down in Manhattan, Kansas against the Kansas State Wildcats. That came on the heels of losing a really difficult five set or a, a five set match to number four Kansas last Thursday in the first game of the Blue Jay Invitational they came back and powered through and dominated their final two matches of that Invitational down in uh, DJ Sokol Arena but another opportunity this weekend for the Blue Jays to get some experience and potentially pick up a win against a top five team um, and a, a decent slate of uh, games overall this weekend Blue Jays will take on Gonzaga and Montana State, but certainly the game that everybody has, the match everybody has uh, circled on their calendars, Creighton going down to Lincoln, playing the number one rated Nebraska Huskers, defending national champions. So Matt DeMarinas uh, was able to get involved in the media scrum this week down there at Sokol 
as uh, some local media asked Coach Booth a number of questions, obviously most of them of the Husker variety, but um, that's that's to be expected, I suppose. Um, Got to say, though, listening to all the other media members' questions and then our own Matt DeMarinus's queries, it's easy to see who is around the program uh, most frequently and who knows um, what is exactly on Coach Booth's mind entering the weekend, and that, frankly, is the Gonzaga Bulldogs. So this is what we're going to end with tonight, uh, about eight minutes worth of Coach Booth talking Creighton volleyball, talking um, volleyball in the state of Nebraska and how far that's come and, and how this weekend that she feels is really a celebration of the sports prominence in the state and that that will culminate Saturday night with Creighton taking on Nebraska. So here's Matt D, part of the media scrum, talking with Coach Booth on the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Again, another close call, uh, but it seems Lauren has seems to say that these are you're okay. She's not frustrated. You're close. Is there some kind of um, I don't know silver lining to getting so close? So. Or is it frustrating that you're still not over Well, there? you know, you play sport to win to some degree. So, you know, we want to have more wins notched. But with that said, um, we're playing the fourth toughest con- uh, schedule in the country. So we're trying to keep that in perspective. Um, and all but one of our matches, we've had opportunities to win. Now, now we've got to look why we're not being able to get that one or two points when necessary um, to win. And I think we've got some good leads on that. And I think we're going to continue to get better at that. So, uh I love what I see out of this team. I think talent-wise, we're there. I think we've got the offensive parity, the offensive uh, firepower, the setting, the passing. I think we've got the pieces to really um, do some amazing things. Um, but now it's you know it, it's not about peaking right now. It's about getting better each time we step on the court. And I think we're continuing to do that. I think the team's still bought into what we're doing and believes in what we can do and I mean as a, as a coach anyone that has coached that's that's the biggest thing that the team still understands that we're moving in the right direction um, so we want to be better on Friday than we were on Tuesday against Kansas State and that's the goal each time we step on the court. I know you've got a couple matches on Friday but Saturday night will be a big stage uh, for this team to play Nebraska what's this match mean to play the number one team? You know, um, like you said, our focus is really on Gonzaga right now. Um, I have not watched any Nebraska video. Obviously, we have some uh, familiarity with their team just because it's in-state and we play them pretty regularly. I know they're playing really well. Um, They seem to be, um, you know, coming into the season firing on all cylinders while I think a lot of the top teams are still working things out, and I think you see that with some of the decisive wins that they've had. Um, You know, Nebraska is one of the best atmospheres in the country. Um, And, you know, I I love when we get to play Nebraska because we have so many local kids on the court. A lot of them know each other. And, you know, I say this every year, but I think it's a celebration of how great volleyball is in this state. Uh, Last year, Lauren said that that match really kind of set kind of a measuring stick for this team to see how good you guys were when you played them at the Central Link. Could this be that match on Saturday night to kind of see where this team is? You know, I again, I think sometimes 
my perception of that match might be different than the players a little bit. You know, I, I think we're going and playing a great team. And I think right now Nebraska has established that they're the best team in the country and, and by a significant margin, similar to Penn State a few years ago. Um, now, do I think that we're going to go and play great volleyball against them? Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, uh, again, I haven't looked at them very much to know how we match up and things along those lines. Um, but I look forward to the opportunity. I think that it's a chance to see, you know, we've played, what, two or three, two top, top ten teams already. Um, you know, this will be a third. So, you know, each time we're trying to see where we fit in on a national stage, and this is another opportunity to see that. Does it give you um, a hope? But you know where I'm going to, like, you've played top teams, you've played Nebraska. It's not like the, the off factor uh, is gone. It's not there where maybe if this was somebody else that was number one and dominating, it would be. Is that a good thing, the familiarity? I think it is good that there's some familiarity with our players, knowing some of their players, the fact that we've played them. You know, uh, you know, if it was a Penn State of a couple of years ago, we haven't played that. In my 13 years, we've never played Penn State. So you're starting from scratch and what you know. Um, you know, anytime you play in front of that big of a crowd, you never know how your team's going to respond. Traditionally, our teams have done pretty well there and enjoyed that atmosphere. Um, but, you know, you know, each team is different, and we'll see on Saturday night. But, you know, again, I go back to Gonzaga's really good. <laughs> Let's talk about Gonzaga because that is that's the most important match of the season right now, Wait, and I mean that. Kristen, <laughs> uh, you talked about volleyball in the state. One of your former assistants has the number one team in NAIA. Yeah. What's that mean to see success like that, and you know, just right here in Nebraska? You know, uh, I was really fortunate to coach for what seven years with Paul, and what he's done at Midland is phenomenal. I learned a ton from him and I'm not surprised at his success uh, you know I, I, I think people can uh, you know see that he's a great trainer but trust that he's a good person and you know we are I'm a, you know Paul and I text quite often and uh, you know I'm a big Midland fan can't get to Nebraska until you play the first two teams on Friday. What have you right, seen? <laughs> what have you seen on suck film? Up, suck up, suck up. What have you seen on film out of them that you know you think can challenge you, or some things that you think you yeah. might you might be able to have success with? I only have watched a little bit of Gonzaga. You know, we were focused on K State, and then we've been watching ourselves a lot today. But um, I've seen a little bit. They kind of remind me of TCU, except that they're more outside oriented. Um, but they run a six-two. Uh, they have. They're kind of good everywhere. Um, they maybe don't quite quite have as much parity as TCU, but I think their outsides um, are really uh, maybe a step above uh, what we saw against TCU, that they have the ability to do some things out of system. And, um, you know, again, I've watched about a game, so I'm, I'm just at the beginning stages of watching them. But I know they're good. I think they're a top 50 RPI team, and uh, we're going to be needing to be ready to go. What do you think about that 10 a.m. start? That's got to be kind of a challenge in itself as well, don't you think? Yeah, I haven't thought about that, but, uh, um, you know, we've done that. We'll do that sometimes on Saturdays. So we're going to go down uh, early tomorrow. We'll practice at, in Lincoln tomorrow afternoon, and then, um, you know, we'll be ready to go on, on Friday morning. I guess to a player, to a coach, you know, you guys have all mentioned, you know, really starting with that Kansas match where you were up 2-1, and then, you know, the last three sets were kind of up for grabs last night. A lot of focus on the little things, a lot of talk about the little things. As, as a team, have you guys been able to put your finger on which of those little things maybe are most important for this weekend that you'd like to see the team take a step forward in? 
Um, I, again, I, I don't think it's one thing. I think it's it's multiple things. We've watched a lot of film today. We've had a lot of players in watching film, and um, I think that's sometimes the best practice, you know, that they can say, ah, I'm seeing things different that I do in game one than I'm doing in game three or four, and so that, that confidence that we're coming in with in a game, making sure that's continuing throughout the match, and, um, you know, I again, you know, we've got, what, four kids that haven't played on our Creighton court very much or in new positions and things along those lines, you know, we're a work in progress. And, um, you know, to play tight gives us a lot of hope, but now we've got to get over the hump. 22-22 is always a big emphasis for you every single year. How close is, um, you know, this group at this point in the season to, you know, being where you like it late in the game? Physically, when we are when we are firing, like game one against Kansas State, we were incredible. Mm-hmm. We are not doing it consistently enough. So as far as where we are at moments, I think that we are incredible. But we've got to be able to do it every game and at end game, and that's what we've got to get better at. Do you take a step back and look at, you know, I know you don't like to compare teams to each other, but when you talk about the journey every year, is this team at a point where they should be? along that journey to, you know, get to where you think they should be at the end of the year? Are they making enough progress at this point? Absolutely. I really do. I think that I think we're playing really good volleyball. I mean, you one match is one uh, – the, the Kentucky match is the only one that we did not have a legitimate shot at winning. And you can go back to why aren't we winning. And mm-hmm. I think those are the things that we're trying to figure out and work on. But – we have not been outclassed in any match except I thought Kentucky played phenomenal against us. Um, and so that includes some really good teams. So from a standpoint of what I believe this team can do, I feel more optimistic than I probably did at the beginning of preseason. Um, but, you know, each team's got to determine how we handle these times of adversity, meaning losing some, how are we going to respond? And that's the challenge right now. And I, the good thing is that the players are buying in, they're working hard, they believe they're good. And and if you have that sort of feel of a team, I think you can peek out. And that's obviously what we're trying to do. All right, that's going to wrap things up for us tonight on the Blue Jays Bites podcast. Really want to thank Matt DeMarinas for the time he spent on campus this week talking with Maurice Watson Jr., Jim Flannery, Ed Service, and Kirsten Bernthal Booth. I know he's got a lot of interviews and... um, takes plan for next week and the week after so make sure you tune in Uh, we'll try to give a heads up on all our social channels as well as on the site about what to expect from the podcast in coming weeks Um, what you can expect from the Creighton sports calendar this weekend as I know many of you will listen to this episode Friday Um, women's volleyball down in Lincoln against Gonzaga uh, Friday morning and then against Montana State at five o'clock in the afternoon Friday Saturday, men's soccer uh, hosts Seton Hall, Big East opener for Elmar Bolovich's Blue Jays, who are coming off the heels of a 3-0 win over UMKC uh, earlier this week. So they look to carry some positive momentum into the start of conference play. Women's volleyball will also be down in Lincoln again Saturday night on Nebraska Public Television against Nebraska. Big in-state match there. And uh, also Friday, I, f- I failed to mention, um, great women's soccer team was up one to nothing Thursday night against Rhode Island out in Rhode Island on a Lauren Sullivan goal. That lead and that tally by Sullivan's been negated because the game has been postponed till Friday. 
um, due to a power outage that occurred during the game from a blown generator. So a unique situation out there in Rhode Island. Um, but Ross Pauley's team will will still get that match in. They'll just do it a day delayed. They come uh, back to um, they come back to their schedule on Sunday with a with a match out east against Yale. So that's how the weekend shapes up and what's on top tapa for the Blue Jays um, various sports programs this weekend. And we'll just uh, we'll just go ahead and cut this short because it's already been over an hour here in the podcast this week. Again, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, send feedback uh, our way, any of our social channels. Email us um, from the site at whiteandbluereview.com, and we really appreciate you listening and, and cheering on the Blue Jays with us week in and week out. So with that, I'm Brian Todd. I'm going to go ahead and sign off and say good night and go Jays.